Aidan Leahy here with you until 7 on Cork's Red FM and Hugo Keenan has just made a try saving tackle on um, on Stuart Hogg in the Aviva Stadium 14-5 as we said there there was a TMO review and I think it was actually the, the Scottish try scorer Pierre Schumann um, who it was looked like a high challenge now Schumann was the one who had the ball now and it was just one of those grey area red cards that we've seen so many of in this Six Nations Championship Dan Sheehan and Keen Healy went over for Ireland and then as we said Schumann replied for the Scots Ireland are starting to get a bit of a hold in it now uh, they've just won a penalty in their half to stop a Scottish attack Scotland well up for it well up for it um, but uh, yeah Ireland looking to start uh, maybe just getting the, the momentum going and 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 taking control and as we said look it might make much difference Ireland need to win this they win a triple crown I, I've only seen Ireland win maybe four of them in my lifetime so you know uh, we won't we won't sniff at a triple crown at all uh, so yeah as we said it's England v France we need England to do us a favour will they who knows who knows uh, France of course have the Grand Slam in their hands and if they win uh, they're playing 8 o'clock in, in France in Paris if they win it's all over it's it's Grand Slam time for France uh, for the first time in 12 years I think uh, or either 2012 or 2010 I can't remember uh, but yeah another penalty here for Ireland they're starting to go well now and um yeah, a triple crown at least, we will take that anyway. And gee, the scenes, the scenes in Cardiff today, Italy ending a wait since 2015 for a first Six Nations win. Oh, it's it's Wales' first ever home defeat to Italy in, in the tournament, unsurprisingly, I suppose. And a late Eduardo Padovani try gave the Azzurri their first Six Nations win since 2015. Fantastic stuff. I was actually halfway through, uh, just about to start the um, the four o'clock bulletin when uh, Italy went over. So, um, yeah, great excitement there. They always they always like going over in the hour just to make things tricky for you. But, uh, yeah, great stuff for Italy and, and hugely important for them. I mean, they're... They're basically their Six Nations existence is kind of on the line and people are, I mean, trying to talk them out of it and trying to talk South Africa into it, which, to be honest with you, I don't really want to see. Uh, I'll, I'll do without watching South Africa uh, pummel the teams and, and make, uh, you know, play dour rugby for uh, a couple of weeks every year. So uh, the World Cup will do for that, I suppose, and then the odd Lions tour. Um, but yeah, still 14-15, uh, 51 minutes gone there in the Aviva and we will keep checking in with that as the game progresses um, and half an hour left so Cheltenham ended up finished yesterday Gold Cup yesterday Ireland domination in Cheltenham once again Rachel Blackmore uh, Gold Cup winner on um, a Plutard turned down Manila Indo last year in favour of a Plutard and of course Manila Indo won it and uh, actually finished second as well under Robbie Power uh, yesterday Willie Mullins and Paul Townend what a duo just as good as when Ruby was there. Uh, record 10 wins uh, for, for Mullins. And uh, Townend, I think, may have been on seven or eight of them. But, uh, yeah, it was a really good week. Good week for the Irish. Good racing, in fairness. Um, and uh, I suppose uh, good to see the crowd back as well. That Cheltenham roar. It was, it was amazing to watch the crowd. And I think 75,000 people there yesterday or over that. Uh, yeah, incredible stuff. Um, I suppose moving on to a bit of football. As we said, Chelsea v Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough getting a bit of a pasting um, off of Chelsea. Lukaku and Ziyech uh, put Chelsea 2-0 up uh, there. Um, of course, a bit of a spat over the uh, the away tickets. Chelsea's sanctions don't allow them to sell tickets, but they do have a special licence to just about operate and keep going and play games. Um, but Chelsea only sold 600 away tickets before the sanctions came in. In fairness, Middlesbrough actually extended their deadlines for all of this and tried to help out. 
Chelsea then requested for the game to be played behind closed doors, which I don't think anybody uh, took too much favour towards that request by Chelsea. I think chance in their arm and the uh, Middlesbrough chairman hit out at that and said that uh, sporting integrity, is, as Chelsea were saying, they should be played behind closed doors of sporting integrity. Uh, he said that Chelsea and sporting integrity shouldn't be mentioned within the same sentence. So um, I'll leave that up to you to decide and make your own minds up on that one. Arsenal earlier, um, they've strengthened their top four position. They beat Aston Villa 1-0 away in Birmingham. Aston Villa nil, Arsenal one. Three points to the Gunners, courtesy of a first-half strike from Bukayo Saka. And they dominated that opening 45 with some wonderful passing moves. They created opportunities for Partey and also for Smith Rowe, but they didn't take them. Late on, Watkins had an effort that was pulled in right at the death in stoppage time. Uh, the keeper Leno had to make a wonderful save to keep the scores at 1-0 uh, to Arsenal. But overall, Arsenal deserved it and are on course for that Champions League place. Aston Villa nil, Arsenal 1. Monster man Dave Kilcoyne is on the pitch for Troy scorer Keane Healy and uh, Ireland giving Scotland a good bit of a defending to do there. Mac Hansen putting a ball in behind and uh, it was cleared eventually. Ireland have a line out in a very promising position just outside the Scottish 22. So we'll keep an eye on how they go there. Um, Formula One is back. Uh, first uh, qualifying session of the year um, this afternoon before that quali. Uh, we had a statement from the FIA and of course this Surely puts to bed now. It was kind of rumbling, rumbling on the whole Max Verstappen Lewis Hamilton finale last year. Uh, the report into the controversial season ending Abu Dhabi Grand Prix states the result is valid, final, and cannot now be changed. It's after Max Verstappen beat Lewis Hamilton to the world title in December. The introduction of a safety car late in the race caused quite a bit of drama thanks to Nicholas Latifi's crash. Uh, the report confirms race director Michael Massey, who's no longer uh, race director, um, acted in good faith but uh, did make errors and qualification itself was very, very interesting. And Ferrari back challenging again. I think uh, it was Martin Brundle that said, or actually it was Sebastian Vettel uh, talking to Martin Brundle Everybody is a Ferrari fan, and uh, slightly as well. I'm a, I do like Ferrari, in fairness. Um, but yeah, they 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 took pole from with Charles Leclerc. Um, so good good start for them, and Max Verstappen then in second. Um, Carlos Sainz, of course, the other uh, Ferrari driver, uh, brought up. Uh, uh, he finished on the second row in third. I thought the most interesting part, obviously, Lewis Hamilton was P five. Uh, Mercedes really struggling there they can't get their car to sit down at all really but um, the most interesting thing was Valtteri Bottas moved from Mercedes to Alfa Romeo and out qualified and out qualified well uh, George Russell who replaced him in the Mercedes so that was quite interesting I thought and of course new regulations this year and Haas Haas have really pulled a bit of a number there obviously there was a lot of uh, controversy with the Russian links they had Uralkali the uh, manure company that was owned by Nikita Mazepin's father who was basically paying for a seat uh, they were forced to pull out from well they got rid of them for, as their sponsor but it seems to me that they used all that money from last year to develop this year's car whilst giving Nikita Mazepin a really poor car last year and that uh, our car this year is flying um, Kevin Magnussen in the top 10 today so um, I suppose that's also linked to the fact that Ferrari probably have a better powertrain they use a Ferrari uh, power unit 
Um, and I suppose the likes of McLaren then, which is very strange to see them struggling, is probably also related because Mercedes haven't done that well either. So it's all a knock-on effect. Um, as we speak about rugby, tomorrow's a huge day for Richie Murphy's under-20s. While Ireland weren't able to go for the Grand Slam, they will be. They face Scotland and the Grand Slam is on the line at a sold-out Musgrave Park. So enjoy that if you are heading there. Patrick Campbell, of course, the home hero. He stood out. He was a, a minor football alert winner with Cork. Um, that's off at five tomorrow and everyone will have eyes on him. Uh, fantastic stuff and hopefully a grand slam for the under 20s and we've picked up quite a few of them in fairness in Ireland over the last couple of years to, to complement the one or two uh, senior grand slams. Um, but yeah, good block there. Just watching Tygburn absolutely towering over the, the, the Scottish uh, line to, to block down the kick. Um, it's a good game ferocious game Scotland bringing a lot of intensity and fairness to it um, I'd say probably errors as well by both sides making it maybe a bit of a better game than, than if, if it wasn't um, Irish errors maybe more than Scottish ones but um, leaving the rugby a while we will keep an eye on it if anything happens you will know about it and going on to Cork City another big win for City on the top of the Premier or the First Division table sorry I'm getting ahead of myself here Premier Division next year hopefully uh, City beat 3D United 4-0 in Limerick last night Goals from Barry Coffey, Jonas Hackinen, and two from Keane Bargery were enough to do the job. Cullum was chatting to the doubles goal scorer, Keane Bargery. Another great win on the road for Cork City last night, and it's been a great week for City. Three Munster derbies, three victories, eight goals scored, no goals conceded, and a man who got two of the goals in the game against Treaty yesterday afternoon up in Limerick is Keane Bargery, and he joins me. Keane, how are you? I'm good, Colin. How are you? I'm great. Um, and uh, I think we're all in great form after, after the week it's been for Cork City because it's been a huge week. I mean, three tough games against three big sides and three wins. You must all be delighted. Yeah, absolutely delighted. Three huge games, which we needed to win, which we did win, and conceded zero goals, which is another bonus as well. So, yeah, been very happy now after, after the three games. And you must be happy yourself because you got two of the goals last night. Uh, they were your first goals of the season and um, great to get on the score sheet and even better to do it twice. Yeah, absolutely delighted to, to help out the boys. You know, it's, we work hard every day in training so just to help them out with a goal or, or two at, at the end of the game is um, another bonus for myself, you know. Um, but yeah, I think I got two or three goals last year so to get two goals in one game now is, um, is a good boost for myself, so. And you've been, play, you've been playing well. In, yeah, you've been playing well in recent games as well. I mean, obviously you got the goals, the goals last night. But you've been playing well in a lot of the games this season, and a lot of the fans have been mentioning your name as one of the one of the, the really outstanding players this season. So you must be happy with your form for the season so far. Um. Yeah. Yeah. No, I would be happy. It's just once we get a positive result at the end of the day, like once we get a win, it's the best thing, really. Like if you get three points, or or if you go away from home, you get a point. But that I'm happy with how I'm playing and all I can do now is improve and keep going, keep working hard. But I'd say the fans yesterday were mm. unbelievable. It was like we were playing at home. They were just out, outstanding. They were very good now. It helped us, gave us an extra 10% boost again. Yeah, the support has been class all season, hasn't it? I mean, um, in the cross the other night uh, against Waterford and the Cove game and, and all the games this season, I mean, uh, the Galway game and so on as well, even though even though we lost that game. There's been huge crowds there and there's been brilliant support and the fans are chanting and there's just a great atmosphere. Yeah, it's absolutely unreal. 
even to play in front of, I think, the last time I was speaking to Red FM, they, um, I said it was the first time I came out against Galway. It was the first time I came out to, uh, to a crowd like that, and it was unbelievable to play in front of. It. Um, yeah, they're just, they're very, they're very good. It's, so, it's such a help for us to, to be playing in front of that crowd, like the, the noise they have behind us, like it's very good. Do you think that gives you an advantage in the first division? I mean, if you look around the grounds, there's not there's not too many other clubs in the first division who there's no other club in the first division who will get the crowds that Cork City get. There's no other club in the first division with the support base and the fanatical support that Cork City have. Um, I mean, it has to be an advantage, doesn't it? And I mean, it was missing a lot of last season, obviously, because the games were behind closed doors with COVID, so Cork City didn't have that advantage. But but as you're saying, there, Keen, I mean, it, it's pushing you on, and you're loving it, so it's massive, isn't it? Yeah, obviously, we want to win every game for them because they're all coming out in support for us like so we obviously want to win every game and it obviously does give us another 10, 20, 30% boost of, a, of energy like so that's unbelievable to be honest I was looking at the league table now and uh, City sitting pretty on the top obviously 13 points and a, a very strong goal difference as well um, obviously 4 goals yesterday and, and 2 and 2 and 6 up in Bray and so on as well uh, 13 then Galway just behind um, a lesser goal difference but they do have a game in hand and Waterford behind them in 3rd then as well so I mean it's a great position to be in and it's been a good start of the season overall and even the Galway game I mean it's probably a game that City didn't deserve to lose yeah, I thought we I thought we should have won that game to be honest. So we had we had a good few chances to to score and they I think they had one chance and they they took it so we were just unlucky that game. But um now it's just take every game as it comes and we need to win it win it, win every next game. So yeah. Yeah, and the next game is Athlone now on um, Friday night in Turner's Cross. And uh, Athlone haven't had a, a great start of the season there. They're bottom of the league, I mean, with no points. But you won't take anything for granted, I suppose. But uh, you're in a great position going into it. Yeah, we're in the best position we can be going into it. So Athlone are always going to be a tough side to play against. Um, hopefully now the crowd will come out again and in Trump. So get behind us and we all we can do is give 100% and work hard again. And there's been some new additions to the squad this this season as well. Uh, certainly in defence, the defence is looking very strong. Ali Gilchrist is a great addition there. Kevin O'Connor slotted in nicely again as well. And um, I mean, it, it, the team just looks a stronger unit, I suppose, than it did last year. And I mean, the, the team seems to be playing for each other. And as you mentioned, the fans are getting behind everyone. And it just seems to be clicking at the moment, doesn't it? Yeah, everything, everything everything's working. Um, Kev, Ali have been fantastic, even and Jonas as well. And we yeah. have also Keane Coleman who's out injured. Um, Ron Hurley came in yesterday. He was he was very good again. Um, everybody, yeah, everybody's working as hard as they can. Wants to wants to work for each other. Wants to help each other out. So we have a great squad. Um, great squad at the minute. So we just have to keep on going. Long may it continue and uh, make that push for promotion. Hopefully, City can stay right up the top, top of the league at the moment. Hopefully, we can stay there for quite a while. But uh, Keen Bargery, thanks a million for chatting to us, and uh, we'll see you on Friday. Right. Thanks very much, Colin. Yeah, Keen Bargery there, and we'll hear from Colm in a few minutes. Just want to bring you an update. Ireland have gone over the line again. 21-5 now to Ireland, that surely. Well, 60 minutes gone, 20 minutes left, 21-5. You'd be hoping Ireland be able to see this out. Josh van der Fleer absolutely barreled over the line, powered past Scotland, and I think it's a 7-try in 40 caps. So, fantastic stuff by him and uh, Andy Farley see Bit of relief, I'd say, up in his box uh, when they sh- uh, cut to him celebrating. So, um, yeah, I suppose it's good good for him to get something under the belt, like a, a triple crown. Um, but, yeah, as we said earlier, um, massive win by uh, Italy against Wales. 
and uh, I just want to bring you this report by Hamish Stewart from that game at the Principality Stadium. Wales 21, Italy 22 and remarkable scenes in Cardiff. Italy ended a 36 game losing streak in the Six Nations a first win in Cardiff, a first win in seven years. Talk about whether Italy deserved their place in the tournament goes on the back burner for a while. Incredible finish, fullback Capiozzo breaking from inside his own half to pass inside for Padovani to score. Garbisi winning the game with a conversion. Tears, hugs, plenty of emotion from the Italians. Wales scored three tries, Watkin, Lake and Adams. Key moment was when prop win Jones got over the line but was not awarded the try. The Italians don't care about that. They're too busy celebrating. Wales 21, Italy 22. 36 games without a win at... Oh, you have to feel for him at times. I, I don't know, like yeah, thirty-six games is a lot of games to go without a win. But yeah, uh, they'll they'll be celebrating tonight in Cardiff, I'm sure. Um, as we said, Colum uh, watched the game at Markets Field last night, and I spoke to him today about Cork City's four-nil win over Treaty United. All right, Colum is on the line. Colum, a big win in Market Fields. I've just read it's the first time Cork City have won three games in a row since March 2019. Big big weekend. There's not too many Cork City stats I don't know now, Aidan, but that is that is a stat I didn't know. Um, and it's not surprising considering the, the couple of years that Cork City have had. I mean, obviously, the, the 2020 and 2021 seasons were, were disastrous for City, really. I mean, they just, they just didn't perform. It, it wasn't the, the kind of performances and kind of results that you'd expect from a team of Cork City stature. But I mean, this year in uh, 2022, it's, it's, it's been brilliant. It's been fantastic. They've had a great start to the season. Where um, we're six games in, they, they have they have four wins. They've got a draw up in Longford, and they've got one defeat at home to Galway in a game really that they probably should have won. Um, I mean, you'd hear Kean Bargery talking about that in the minute as well, and that, that that was a game they just let slip, and it was just it just didn't go their way in the night, and they had all the chances. But I mean, every other game, if you look at how it's gone so far, six nil up in Bray, then losing to Galway, nil all in Longford, again two nil against Cove at home last week in Turner's Cross, two nil against Waterford in a very, very tough game on Monday night in the cross and then 4-0 against Treaty. They're banging in the goals and they're not conceding goals, which is fantastic. And it's not like Treaty were a struggling side. Treaty have been doing very well at the start of the season. They have Treaty have a decent start of the season and I mean, they, they were a very tough side to come up against last season as well. They, they were pushing all the way and before the season started, you'd have certainly said Treaty were up there as one of the teams who'd be pushing for promotion and pushing for the playoffs. The same as Waterford would be like the pace setters as well and City beat them the other night as well so I mean it was no easy game or we didn't think it was going to be an easy game certainly going into the game yesterday against Treaty up in Markets Field but uh, Barry Coffey put City in the lead after three minutes and City didn't look back after that they were very very dominant uh, Key and Bargery um, got two goals then and obviously it was 3-0 at half time so City had the game well wrapped up and well won in the first half and then in the second half they just controlled the game they added one more goal through Jonas, Jonas Hacken and and uh, won a 4-0. I mean, it was a very, very impressive performance from City. And having seen the three games this week, it's, they've been very, very impressive. And, and it's great to see. And it's great to see that Cork City are pushing on, getting the results. They're top of the league now. Um, and, and hopefully they'll stay there. And hopefully they'll push on, win the league and get promoted back to the Premier Division where the club belongs. I suppose you mentioned there, like all the, there's been a, a huge array of different scores so far. I mean, like... The likes of uh, Bargery, you've Coffee, and you'd Hackenen scoring at the weekend. You've had a good few different scores as well so far in the other games, the last week as well uh, in the in the two games at Turner's Cross. So it's it's a good spread and it's a good sign that you know hopefully one injury might not derail the season for this team. 
That's a very good point, and I was actually chatting about this point uh, during the week as well. The, and I, I mentioned this to Colin Healy, and he, he agreed with me because the, the scorers have been spread around. And I remember chatting to Colin Healy after the Bray game, I think it was, when Dylan McGlade got the hat-trick in that game. And then Dylan McGlade got injured early on in the Galway game. And afterwards, we were kind of saying, hopefully the goals don't dry up without Dylan McGlade. We need goals to come from elsewhere. And my God, they've stepped up because the lads, like if you look at the, the last week or so, there's been goals from Keen Murphy. There's been goals from Rory Keating, new signing from Galway as well this season up front. He's done well. And uh, then yesterday, as I say, Barger, you were two hacking in. And Barry Coffey, he's, I think that was Barry Coffey's third or fourth of the season as well. So um, it, it's, it's, goals are coming from everywhere, which is very, very important. And they're not relying on one or even two players. And they're banging in the goals. But I don't want to concentrate on the goals as much because we've got to concentrate on the defence as well, Aidan. Yeah. The defence has been magnificent all season. If you look at Cork City's goal difference, it's plus 13, which is very, very impressive after, after only six games. Um, they've scored 14 goals in those six games. And they've only conceded one goal against the run of play at home to Galway. And uh, it shows how the defence has improved since last season. Ali Gilchrist has come in in centre-half. He was um, one of the best players for Shelburne last year. But Cork City managed to get him in the off-season. And he's done brilliant in the, in the centre of defence there. He's been a real rock. He reminds me of a, a kind of a Dan Murray kind of character over the years. He's been absolutely fantastic. He really has. Kevin O'Connor has come back for his third or fourth spell at the club as well. He was with Shelburne last year too. He's really slotted in nicely at, uh, at left back. And overall, the defence there, uh, Jonas Hakkinen is, is, is in there as well. He's played right back. He's played centre back. Uh, and he's done well there. He and Coleman, before getting injured, was doing very well as well. So it's a very solid defence. And behind that, they have David Harrington, who's kind of really only just broke through to the senior ranks. But I mean, he comes from incredible goalkeeping pedigree. He's the son, obviously, of legendary Cork City goalkeeper Phil Biscuits Harrington. And I was just reading a great stat about him a while ago. He's only So he started the six games so far this season. He started four games at the end of last season as well. So he started 10 league games now for Cork City. And he's only conceded one goal from open play. He did concede one goal against UCD, which was a penalty last season as well. But only one goal from open play in um, 10 games since he's made his Cork City debut, 10 competitive games, is an incredible stat. So long may it continue uh, with that defence and David Harrington and goalie. It's, 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 it's a real, I mean, it's great to see the team banging in so many goals, but if the defence is as solid as it yeah. is, and they might only get one goal in some games, you'd be fairly confident. And Harrington as well, of course, he's, uh, I suppose that that form he's shown has been rewarded by a call up from Jim Crawford uh, to an under twenty selection that that played uh, an Irish amateur selection uh, a couple of weeks ago. As he looks at the the next under twenty one side uh, over the next couple of years, so uh, a big big step for 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 David as well there. Yeah. Um, as you mentioned as well, uh, Ali Gilchrist also a goal scorer. So goals coming from all angles is right, and it looks like now Galway United as well. They they had a bit of a. a a nervy end to their game against that lone town, um, but it does look like it might be a, a, a scrap, a, a title fight between uh, Cork City and uh, John Caulfield's Galway United. I think it will, but I think you can't write off Waterford as well. I think there's, there's three, there's like you can't write off anyone at this early stage, but there's three teams really there that you can already see pulling away: Cork City, Galway, and Waterford. Um, I, I think Waterford are, have, a, have a weekend off this weekend, so they'll have a game in Handover City as well. But they are three points behind. So you're looking at Waterford, you're looking at Galway, and you're looking at Cork City, who are now top of the league. But uh, Galway are specialists at that, and, and that's how John Caulfield sets up his teams. And, and John is a master at getting results like that, getting late winners and so on. So uh, no surprise that, uh, that, that they ground out the result last night. But it is going to be a, a three-way title fight, I think, Aidan, really. Cork City, Galway and Waterford. And at this early stage, it's hard to see any of them pulling away and running away with the league. So I think Cork City just need to keep getting the results, keep banging in the goals, because it is going to be close. 
And as I said, the goal difference, it could come down to that. I mean, if teams are going to be that close. And at the moment, Cork City's goal difference is miles better than the other two teams. So fingers crossed that they can continue banging in the goals. And importantly, as I said, fingers crossed that defence stays so solid. And it's also worth noting that uh, Colin Healy had to take a leave of absence for a few weeks as well uh, for personal reasons. And it hasn't derailed Cork City at all. Um, but I know he's been in the back room still kind of working away as well. But uh, the, the coaching team there and the players really put their heads down despite that. And then they just got on with things and... And they've been fantastic and, and hopefully Colin Healy does a great job now and leads Cork City back to the Premier Division. Yeah, as you said, yeah, he's back around the squad now and uh, I presume he'll be uh, around for next Friday night and as we said, Athlone Town put it up to Galway so it's going to be, as always, as it usually is against Athlone in fairness, it's going to be a tough one again in Turner's Cross and uh, like you said, that defensive record is maybe the most important thing not to mind the goals. The goals, I suppose, are in the background but having the confidence that that, that you can keep the clean sheets maybe is the best uh, best thing in their in their frame of mind going into Friday it's huge it's huge it really is because like if you think about it now I think it's four consecutive clean sheets and I mean as we said only one goal out season conceded so if they could build this aura around the defence and the clean sheets and keep it, uh, uh, as many consecutive clean sheets as possible I think teams coming to turn us cross and coming up against Cork City in general are kind of going to it's going to be a little advantage straight away and they're going to go these guys are hard to break down we can't nobody can score against these guys and it just puts a bit of doubt in opposing teams' minds straight away. And that's an advantage for Cork City straight away. But it will, it will be tough against Athlone, you'd imagine. Uh, they beat Cork City actually last season in Turner's Cross. But, uh, but Athlone at the moment, they are bottom of the league. They haven't got any points yet. They're the only team, I think, with, with no points so far. But, I mean, we can't let, let the ticket for granted with that. It's also worth noting, there'll probably be a big crowd in Turner's Cross again, you'd imagine. Um, on Friday night as well in support chatting to Kean Bargery earlier on when we recorded that interview and he mentioned how brilliant the Cork City support has been and any, any player and manager I've talked to um, over the course of the season has said, has said how brilliant the support has been since the crowd came, crowds came back I mean Cork City are bringing in bigger attendances than, than pretty much anyone in, in either the Premier Division or the First Division maybe apart from Shamrock Rovers who have sold out a few games with about 7,000 people. But, um, I mean, Cork City had 5,000 against Galway. There was over 4,000 there for the, the Cove game. A huge crowd Monday night uh, against Waterford as well. And uh, that, again, is another thing that gives Cork City a little bit of edge over other clubs, I think, because uh, it's a really fanatical, really partisan support, uh, both home and away. I mean, a big away crowds as well as you saw up in Limerick yesterday, but certainly in Turners Cross with a full shed and full voice. It's a huge advantage. Absolutely, all we asked for I suppose and myself and Rory we kept saying a quick start and a good start and mm. that's exactly what Cork City have given us Colm, thanks a million Cheers Hayden Yeah, very happy Colm O'Sullivan there speaking about Cork City's 4-0 win against Treaty United yesterday at Market Fields um, Coming up after the break we hear from Stephen Kenny after his squad announcement um, I think Ireland are ticking over nicely there 21-5 to Ireland 68 minutes gone um, so we'll, we'll find out the result of that as well in the second half of the show we also speak to Rochestown College mentor Mark Dolan they won the Senior B All-Ireland Hurling Final today we also hear from Cork under 16 Camogie boss Donald Daly that's all coming up after the break don't go away The Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie Yeah, you're very welcome back to the Big Red Bench here in Cork's Red FM. Aidan Leahy here with you until 7. Scotland knocking on the door, trying to bring back that deficit. Still 21-5, 71 minutes gone. We also have a result from the Red FM Senior Hurling League Division 1. Uh, Town 
defeated Formoy 218 to 214. Pretty good scoring there. Um, so yeah, that was the only game in the league today. Uh, well done to Newcastown and uh, good shooting by both teams. In fairness, uh, two two two. What did I say again? Two eighteen to two fourteen. That was it. There we go. Um, yeah, keep an eye on Ireland again. Scotland are at the gates inside the five meter line, and um, uh, they're looking threatening enough here. They will reduce the gap with a try to nine points. So uh, it'll make for an interesting final fiver. Five or six minutes, I suppose. Uh, moving on to Football Republic of Ireland manager Stephen Kenny is named a 25-man squad for the upcoming internationals against Belgium and Lithuania. Oxford United midfielder Mark Sykes has received his first call-up to the Ireland squad as well as Conor Ronan, who is currently on loan with St Mirren from Wolverhampton Wonders. West Bromwich Albion defender Darrow O'Shea returns to the squad having recovered from a fractured ankle sustained in the 2-1 defeat to Portugal in September. Um, good to see Darrow back in fairness. Very good player. Uh, very impressed with him in the in the couple of games um, leading up to that uh, that last minute defeat, of course, uh, away to Portugal in September. Uh, Birmingham City striker Scott Hogan comes into the squad. He's in pretty good form as well. Uh, he last played for Ireland in 2019 in a 2-0 defeat to Switzerland. Um, I suppose plenty of Cork players as well. Always blessed with a, with, with a, a large Cork contingent. Um, Quivin Keller, obviously, Liverpool goalkeeper. Um, Carabao Cup. Uh, penalty winning scorer uh, or yeah uh, score the winning penalty in the Carabao Cup final um, you'd imagine um, I, w- I would expect that uh, the, the two games will be shared so I, I can see Bazuno playing the B- Belgium game and uh, I can see Kelleher playing the Lithuania game that's just what I think is going to happen um, it's probably what should happen they should get the, you know two games they should both get a chance to find goalies and uh, Kelleher in good form after that as well uh, John Egan Sheffield United of course half a carry man as well half an heavy Dorney man there we go you didn't expect that did you Conor Hoare and uh, Sheffield United as well on loan uh, at Aston or on loan from Astonville I should I say um, Alan Brown Preston North End and of course Chidoziog Benny at Rotherham United um, Ireland managed to clear that situation out there they've gone and they're pretty much into safety now Scotland are way away a long ways away from the Irish try line um, but yeah uh, Stephen Kenny spoke yesterday after that squad announcement okay, Stephen first call is for Mark Sykes and Conor Rowan what can they bring yeah well, to be fair um, Mark Sykes has had a terrific season with Oxford um, the last couple of years done very well and he's quite proud. Obviously, he was traditionally a central midfielder growing up, and in his early years, and he's been using in a wider position in four-three-three, playing on the right and the left for for Oxford this year. And we feel in our system three-four-two-one with the number tens, he, he can play in one of those two ten positions quite easily. He's adaptable. He can play wider or central. And he, he's adapted between the two. In recent weeks, he's actually played wing back a good bit for for Oxford because that's what the needs of the team. But we see him playing further up the pitch, and he's improved quite a few goals assists and for for Oxford this season. And they most likely will be in the playoffs to get into the championship. So could very well, you know, be playing in the championship next year. And I wouldn't be surprised, you know, wouldn't be surprised to see that. Connor, you know, the road less travelled for Connor, like he's come and gone to Slovakia, done a year there, he's brilliant for the under twenty one team and went to the Slovakia, went to Grasshoppers of Zurich, broke his mental tarsal there, so that hinders his his progress and he's gone to Scotland and scored uh, some spectacular goals. So 
it gives us an opportunity to look at Mark and Connor at close quarters in the, in the senior tennis squad ahead of mm. the Nations League increases the option in, in those positions um, we have obviously goalkeeping positions where we're overloaded with uh, players there who can go straight into the team centre back in the issue so those sort of advance wider tens and um, you know we, we, there's competition for places in those areas and we're looking to increase that and um, Connor and Mark offers uh, options in that regard It's asking for me Michael Ogafemi is in good form I think it's six goals in nine games he's not in this squad why is he omitted and did the fact that he's turned down a 21 call at the end Yeah I, I, to be honest Michael was never in the picture to be in this under 21 squad so I'm not sure how that discussion occurred but I have obviously went to Bristol City and Swansea a few weeks ago. Um, Cyrus Christie scored that day. Michael scored, and I spoke to Michael after the game. Good chat with him after the game, and uh, had a good conversation with him this week as well. And uh, you know, he would have been considered for selection if he'd have been available. Uh, he wasn't available for selection. Uh, more co- complex, probably. The, the truth of it is that Michael's never played three games in a row before this year. Mm. Uh, for for his club, as far as I know, this we've checked, but he's not played three games consecutively in his career. So, and the, the reason for that really is because of his persistent hamstring troubles he's had in his career. He's been, you know, dogged with with hamstring issues. He's such an explosive player, and also the competition at Southampton as well, which was very heavy. He's found a manager who believes in Russell Martin. You know, Russell Martin's believed in Michael and played him and persisted with him throughout the season. Michael's managed to stay fit and looks looks a real threat in recent weeks and got two very good goals against Coventry and backed that up the other night. Um, it's been a heavy load for him. I think there's a degree of anxiety around Michael himself about being injured, and he's you know he's never not he's never had to what he's had before a run of games, and he feels his load is so heavy. He's concerned about re-injuring coming into the national team, trying to train every day and play and play again, and feels he needs to spend time with the physios to make sure he can continue and divine a form. But he, he reiterated his commitment to Ireland, wants to play for Ireland, certain that he wants to play for Ireland, but just the degree of anxiety he feels around coming in this week with his injury load has that's why he's not involved but he's not considered is that going to be a long term problem for him no well hopefully not that's why he's taken these measures and that's actually he's decided that you know we next meet your your take on Aaron Megan and Jamie McGrady yeah contrasting views with Aaron Aaron we chatted with Chris Wilder and with Aaron there this week and you know he missed the sports game last week with with a heel injury and he's not been training but playing uh, with with a degree of pain, and you know he's you know he's been played played the other night, and they're obviously trying against the Premier League, and they're they're in the playoff positions, so he's not been able to train, but getting through matches, uh, and he scored the other night. So again, we're not, we're not in a position to let him come in for a week, not train, and maybe play. So he. He himself doesn't feel he's quite he needs he thinks he needs to sort his heel out and the medical people of Middlesbrough want him to sort his heel issue out and get and get and get ready. But Jamie, I just haven't selected Jamie. Um and you know Jamie has uh, which is a tough call because he's been excellent for us, really excellent. But uh, his move you know hasn't gone to plan for him. He's not been featuring at all for Wigan and not been 
even our middle from the squad on occasions uh, at Wigan and it's it's not really his problem because he, he was in great form and doing well but he's going to a team that was consistently winning and they just haven't made any changes and uh, he's uh, he's paid the price for that and so he just my concern is not only that he hasn't been playing recently that going forward because it, he may not play between now and June so if he doesn't if I included him here and didn't look at the other players he may not play between for six months and then I haven't looked at the, the, how the other players do in, in our squad so that's the consideration That's that was the decision making process on that you know do you, do you outline that to him? yeah I do mm. Staten, sorry, is, is the heel issue for Aaron, was that a similar issue that cost him being left out of the squad back in November? Yeah, it was a different injury, but I think it's the one, it's obviously the one that caused them to miss uh, the, the Spurs game last week for Middlesbrough. Uh, just on Anthony Barry, is, is there any progress then, any more progress on the replacement for Anthony? Yeah, there is, there is progress, I'm hoping to sort of resolve that. Ideally, I would have liked to have it sorted out this morning and, and announce it today. Um, Hopefully it'll be announced in the next couple of days. Just um, one or two issues, just to finalise, and, and it'll be announced. Stephen, you mentioned about the Chiefs position room with lots of goalkeepers to choose from, but you've also got players coming back into form and playing around. Just I suppose in defence, you've got Shane Coleman, Matt Doherty, um, and Shane Duffy coming back into the squad. How important is that for players to get game time? Yeah, it was it was good good for Shane because Shane Shane obviously had COVID and then he had an ankle operation so it ruled him out for for uh, well over a month you know and he no no game time in that period and then he was just you know played one game and got left out again so it was good for him really to play two games recently and play the other night and uh, he needed that I feel for his rhythm big man like that needs to be playing regularly and you know he's certainly uh, for, his, for his own rhythm and uh it's good that he got matches. Matt's done brilliant to get back in the team. Very competitive. A lot of competition for places. Uh, you know, international players and he's competing against and he's done terrific. And, um, you know, we don't have too many players playing in the Premier League. And when they are, especially at top clubs like Tottenham, it's terrific um, for, for, for our players to be playing at that level. And Matt has persevered, took, dealt with the setbacks, knuckled down, worked hard kept his head down and produced and earned his place in the team and credit to him. You talked recently that you know maybe the time for experimentation is over with your with your, your team. Is that in relation to the, the formation or the players that obviously bought these players in? Yeah, yeah. Why are you going to get out of these two games? Yeah, I think I didn't say time for it, but I said there'd be less experimentation and in a deal world to be minimal. But uh, obviously you're presented with challenges that you have to sort of to take the best decisions based on getting the best squad for June as well and um, you know possible and that's 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 some of the talk process there that's not what you want to get from, from these two friends like Belgium they're not going to bring their their, their full squad but obviously they'll be a, a very well they've named the squad this morning and you know they've obviously got a formidable team they've like Jason Denier and, and Dedrick Boata they've played in in major tournaments for them at the back and, and uh, then they've got like they've said they're not including anyone with 50 caps but they've included a few with 47 and 48 they're, like Telemans is obviously a much sought after player in, in, with all the top European clubs and you know himself and either Dendonker or Panakin and then the forward players 
you know, one the three players are one one centre forward position, which would be Benteke, Origi, or Batswai, and then Doku, who's the sort of future star there, and Trossard. So we have a lot of international calibre players, really top class international team, and um, they uh, they've other players I haven't mentioned, and certainly they uh, they are the, the number one, number one for a reason, and they have a compare belt on. The, and the strength and depth that's uh, that's you know that's that's admirable. Stephen Kenny there after naming his squad uh, for the upcoming friendlies against Belgium and uh, Lithuania. Uh, it's all over at the Aviva Stadium. Ireland have finished with a bonus point. Conor Murray uh, with a last minute try and uh, the triple crown in the bag as well. Um, so look at that Ireland are top of the table at the moment 21 points France are on 18 points France versus England is coming up at 8 o'clock and uh, God we have to shout on England do we? How are you supposed to watch that? <laughs> I'd say leave it on the background and hope for the best uh, but yeah a chance for Ireland to win a win a championship still uh, bonus point puts a bit of pressure on I suppose I think it does anyway but uh, yeah triple crown in the bag uh, yeah great actually great try great bit of improvisation from uh, James Lowe he was kind of stuck in a mall and uh, kind of knocked it out over his head to to Conor Murray who finished well so uh, yeah Dan Sheehan got man of the match uh, he was the first try scorer so yeah good good day all round I suppose at the Aviva Stadium triple crown in the bag and uh, well done to uh, well done to Ireland and well done to all the Munster lads as well so Peter Matney taking an awful pace and at one stage got like picked up in the air and flung down and to be honest with you I don't really know how that Scottish player stayed on the pitch and it took Wayne Barnes a bit as well to give a a, a yellow card to a Scottish player who deliberately knocked the ball on so uh, there you go strange stuff as always by by Wayne I suppose Um, moving on to Gaelic games as we said earlier on Rochestown College have won the All-Ireland Post-Primary Schools Senior Senior B hurling title they defeated Clare Galway College 17 points to 9 I spoke to mentor Mark Dolan after their win. Delighted to say that I'm joined by Rochestown College hurling mentor Mark Dolan after they won the Cedar B All Ireland hurling title. Mark, congrats. Cheers, thank you, William. Great win, though. I suppose uh, talk us through the the route to the final this year. And um, so obviously we we started off the year. We only had one game before Christmas, and we played the Dungarvan CBS team down in Dungarvan. Um, which gave us kind of a tough test, you know. Um, and then we played Christians in the O'Callaghan Cup after that. Um, and we only lost by a point, uh, which was a very good result uh, for us. We thought we could have got probably more from that as well, you know. But um, it really, really set a platform for us for the year. Um, and then after Christmas, then we played um, a Hamilton High School team um, in St. Michael's. And we just about got over the line there as well. And then onto the semi-final, <coughs> we played a Causeway comprehensive team as well in, in Mallow, which were good. Um, and then obviously the Munster final then we played Charleville down in Parky Cueven uh, it was kind of tit for tat kind of with 40, 45, 50 minutes um, on the clock but we got a goal or two um, which really kind of pushed the boat out and got us the, the Munster final win <laughs> and then about two weeks ago we played um, we played Down Patrick Red High um, Ulster team and they, they were they were hardy um, and we kind of we just about pulled away again goals again you know and then obviously today was the icing on the cake uh, it was great, great win now in fairness. We, we didn't get any goals today, but uh, one by one by six, six in the end. But it was kind of maybe um, a bit harsh scoreline on the, on, on the Clare Galway boys. They really gave us a good game, you know. Absolutely, um, yeah. I mean, games, you know? 
You have a fantastic memory, first of all. Fair play to you. Yeah, 17 points scored today. Uh, no goals, as you said. You seem very disappointed by that stat, but uh, uh, it sounded like it was a, a good game for you boys anyway. You hit the ground running. Yeah, we did, yeah. And, you know, kind of, they got their purple patch in the second half, you know, and they went to point up. Um, but we kind of stuck, stuck at it, stuck at our system. Um, and, you know, we tipped over a couple of frees, which really kind of um, tipped it our way, you know. But uh, it was great, great, great for the school to win our first ever All-Ireland point. Yeah, I know, fantastic. And I suppose the last couple of years have been really tough on all these competitions. Uh, most of them probably haven't been, been finished out, so it's great for the lads to have this memory now leaving school. Yeah, I know, it's great. And, Joe, it's hard for the lads over the last two years that even lads gone gone through the school now and, you know, that didn't get a chance to represent in maybe fifth or sixth year. Um, and kind of, you know, the lads um, that were playing now this year really put in a, a, a big effort, you know, they really bought into everything. Um, and it was great. So, look, it's great advertisement for the school as well, you know, and, even seen some of the supporters that came up there, a lot of first and third years and fourth, fifth and sixth years, you know, as well, which is great to see. Yeah, it's a great, a great deal for the whole school and I suppose as well, like you had Alan Cadigan with you as well, like how, how big a factor is that? It must be great to have somebody like that around as well. Ah, uh, yeah, it's great to have Cadigan there now. He's uh, a lot of lads that really look up to him on the teams, you know, but uh, he brings a lot of experience as well from, from playing with Cork and whatnot, you know, so I know it's great. And we have Peter Murphy as well with us from Tramoy this year and he... Uh, <laughs> He, he, he was the lad's toughest trainer um, for their player profile, so he must be doing a good job anyway, you know. Absolutely, yeah. You've done very well to keep it all together here because I imagine there's a few fellas roaring at you, so you've done better than I've done here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it was great, you know. Um, but, yeah, no, we couldn't have done it really without the, the support of all the teachers in the school and, you know, creating the buzz over the last couple of weeks for the lads and, you know, even the, the, the management within their uh, Mary Ring. Pat Croke and uh, Liam O'Mara too really helped me and you know getting us to this stage and, and Joey we're just really appreciative of, of, of them as well and, and our sponsor Central Roche you know. Fantastic stuff Mark thanks a million and uh, enjoy the celebrations no Thanks a million yeah, fair play to Mark there. I think anyone who's ever done a phone call in a, in a bus full of young lads can appreciate he did very well there. There's, I swear a few, a few lads are trying to set him off, trying to get him to laugh there. But yeah, fair play to him. Great memories as well, recounting the whole the whole uh, journey to, to the final. And uh, I didn't realise that school teams play that many games, to be honest with you. Most of the time, they're probably only played three or four games. But yeah, fair play to him. Uh, great win. Uh, first ever time as well for Rochestown College. So fair play to them. Uh, fantastic stuff. Tomorrow... More GA and a big, big day tomorrow. Big day, Parky Cueve, Cork footballers. They need a win against Down tomorrow. Uh, 1 p.m. start uh, down at the park. Um, yeah, it's going to be a tough one. Um, and it's a bit of a, you know, relegation is looming. So the win is needed uh, badly. And also then the hurlers go away to Wexford at 145. Um, bit of an easier ride there. It doesn't really make much difference. Both Wexford and Cork are through to the the semi finals. Um, so, but uh, yeah, should be a good test all round. Waterford or Wexford have been uh, very interesting so far under Dar Egan. So that'll be a good game to watch and uh, another another test to see where Cork are. Um, the teams were I don't know the team announcements were. Uh, postponed to later on I think 8 or 9 o'clock tonight for both of them so uh, I'm afraid I can't bring you them unfortunately which would have been nice if we did have them but no you'll find out later on tonight on Twitter I suppose uh, moving on to Camogie lots of Camogie this weekend um, today in Division 2 the Camogie National League Cork have beaten Meath in Navin uh, the Rebels won 2-12 to 7 points tomorrow Cork's minor Camogie team are in All-Ireland semi-final action they face Tipperary and Thomastown at half 12 um, also an actor of the under 16s Jeremy Carthy has caught up with their manager Donny Daly ahead of their Munster Championship opener 
Now, the Cork Camogie Under-16s are about to embark on their 2022 Munster Camogie Championship campaign and we're joined on the line by the Cork Under-16 manager, Donny Daly, who's back on us with the bench again. Donny, it's good to hear from you. Hi, girl. How are you? It's been a while. Uh, but it's good to hear, it's good to hear from you. But um, this weekend uh, on Sunday, uh, the Cork Under Sixteens take on Waterford at Castle Road in the uh, Munster Under Sixteen Camogie Championship. Um, what has been happening since we last spoke in terms of finalising your squad and how have preparations gone for you? Yeah, it's, it's been a while uh, since we spoke, sure. Um We've been busy. Um, at this stage, we have I think we're after our twenty first. Session. Um, so we're, like, we're, we're on the road since November. Um, we have uh, 29 girls on the panel. Um, again, spread from 19 clubs um, from 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 all the divisions. Um, we've like, we've been busy. Obviously, the last two weeks now has been very frustrating with regard to pitches and with regard to matches being you know challenge games that we had arranged being cancelled. Um, and, and and look, and rightly pitches being being pulled. It's very it's very very difficult for for, for everybody at the moment. But look, we're, we're, I suppose, very grateful to clubs that have offered us pitches and, you know, Astros here and there. And um, it's, it's been, been, we've been lucky that we've had the, the support of, of certain clubs that have helped us. But, you know, it's, we're, I think we are lucky that we started so early because I wouldn't like to be starting, you know, three or four weeks going out to be preparing for a, a Monster Championship next weekend. This is the thing. Um, it's been a long running, as you said. You've got quite a wide and varied uh you know, squad and people drawn from different all four divisions and different clubs, but you've had a lot of time together, Donnie. Now, the only thing is, coming up to this match, as we've spoken about already in the podcast, last weekend's minor match between Cork and Waterford was an absolute epic in Castle Road, but that's because the pitch was heavy. I would expect, hopefully, with a bit of a dry week uh, leading into your game, it won't be as heavy, but are you concerned, you know, yourself, just from your own point of view, just like Jerry Wallace, you have plans leading up to the throw-in, and then you, depending on the stage of the pitch, you might have to alter those plans. Yeah, and exactly. Look, I suppose, and uh, you're kind of a soldier to fortune, uh, insofar as or not to fortune, insofar as you just don't know. And if you get a, you know a wet Friday or wet Saturday, it could it does throw throw the plans uh, up in the air. Um, look, I suppose we have such such strength and depth uh, in our panel that I think that we are um, capable of of dealing with any eventuality. Um, we have. You know, some brilliant girls, and I, I think I may have told you the, the last time we spoke. But I feel that this is probably our best uh, prepared panel in, in the five years that we've been involved. Um, we have, you know, an array of, 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 of I suppose, skills, skill sets uh, within, our, within our panel that we should be able to cope with heavy pitches, fast pitches, you know, rain, sleet, snow, whatever's <laughs> thrown at us here. I think we, we, we should be prepared enough to, to handle. No, look. We would like, obviously, a dry pitch. Uh, it's the makeup of, of, of the girls. They are a very, very fit uh, team. Um, but look, I, I, I think such, such is the, the the strength within the panel. I think we'll we, we, we be okay for any, any uh, eventuality. Um, this is a difficult way to start. There's no, look, the cliche alert, there's no easy game at, at under-16 inter-county level, certainly not, not in Munster, but... If, if you're just going on the Waterford Miners from last weekend, and I know it's not the same team, but the effort and the application that Fergal Hartley, who's a bit of a, was involved with them, Waterford are taking their camogie very seriously. They always have, uh, Donny, as you know, 
but they don't yeah. always get the credit for it. Um, last weekend, they got a huge amount of credit for a game they should could and should have won it at, at certain stages. They could they could have won it at under sixteen level. They've got the same kind of numbers interested. They've got the same kind of numbers training. This is a tough match for you, no matter where it's played. Yeah, and look, I I'm conscious now. Look, I'm I'm, I'm hearing you all. I know what's happening in in Waterford, Camogie. Um, I, I'd actually be very friendly with Roisin Hartley, who was one of the selectors um, with, with Warford last week. We we have stayed in contact over the last two or three years. We've we've, we've had ten games, and we were actually, you know, uh, our, our under sixteen team two years ago were due to play that uh, under sixteen team in a in a in a monster final. It never happened, you know, through the COVID. So that would have been say last week's Warford uh, minor team. I know how good they were. Uh, we played them in a challenge game two years ago, uh, below in Lismore. Very strong team, um, and the, the amount of work that Moshi and Fergal and uh, Waterford Camogie in general are doing at underage level is to be commended. Um, they're there, thereabouts. You know, they're. You know, they're, I suppose you're looking at Cork, Kilkenny, Waterford, or sorry, uh, Galway, Tipperary. Then you, then you Waterford. So like they're they're knocking on the door. We won't be taking now. Look, two years ago under fourteen, uh, this Waterford team again wouldn't have been. Too far off the mark, but again, a lot of things happen in two years. We have a different um, panel of girls that that, that has played under fourteen. Um, we've it's, it's it's very unknown, right? It, it, playing Warford, you don't really know what's, what's going to be ahead of us. All we can do is um, prepare our girls the best we can um, and put them out there. And I think, look, hopefully, um, you know, we should have enough. But again, you just don't know what's, what's coming ahead of us. Indeed, you don't. And just finally, Donny, it's been such a long run in. I know how much the players are looking forward to it, and you're looking forward to it to get that to get that first game and and then hit that pitch, and just get get that under sixteen championship up and running. It's obviously on on your doorstep now. I know you're looking forward to it immensely. And uh, as you said, a very talented squad. It's just a case of getting out into the pitch and doing the business now. Oh yeah, look, look the girls can't wait. There, um, we played. Uh, you know, we played Offaly Miners on two occasions so far. We played Kildare. Um, we played you know, a number of club teams. We played UCC intermediates. We played the minors. So, but, but again, it's, it's it's all kind of shadow boxing until you get to the the actual heat of, of championship when you're putting out your 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 starting fifteen and then hopefully you know, you, you get it right. But we have eight opportunities during the course of the game to to, to make changes. And I like I'll be honest with you, everyone and I, I know this again is a cliche. Every single one of the the twenty nine girls are capable of starting are coming on. Like it's such is is the strength that like we have two starters for every position in reality. So like like we're not really worried from that respect. That you know we put the best that we can. The girls that are performing um, in training they will start. And we've told we've always tell them you know the girls on Tuesday that pick the team for the Sunday. Um, how, uh, their performances in their training match. And determines the, the, whether they're starting or not. And then, you know, if, if during the course of a game, our championship game, we have to make a change, the girls know that you know, they're getting an opportunity to come in, they know their best, then they'll be starting the following, following week. It's, it's, we have an embarrassment of riches. Um, but again, it, it, it's going to be hard now this week naming the 15 and disappointing 14 others. Um, but, you know, like you're just hoping that when they get their opportunity, that they'll, 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 they'll take it and make our job even harder than the following week. Excellent stuff, Tony Daly. Well, we wish you all the best this coming weekend. The Cork 
uh, inter-county under-16 camogie team taking on Waterford in the Munster Championship at Castle Road on Sunday. We'll uh, wish you all the best here on the Big Red Bench and we'll catch up with you next week to see how you get on. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. Yeah, Cork under-16, camogie boss, Donny Daly uh, there. Um, all eyes, I suppose. Now, turn to Paris. France versus England. Um, uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. Best luck to England, I suppose. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow for the Big Red Bench. Stevie G is on the way next. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM.